Good morning, saints. It is so wonderful to be here and to worship with all of you this morning on this, our feast day of all saints. I greet you today as the church of God that is in Wheaton, to those found in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere, past and present, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. In this opening greeting, which I slightly paraphrased from 1 Corinthians 1, Paul provides a very simple definition of who we are, the church. The church is composed of those who are called out by God to be set apart as a holy people by the simple truth that through their salvation, they are now in Christ, and therefore they are also in the process of being made holy or sanctified through Christ Jesus. Your holiness or set apartness is simply the consequence of your salvation, not only individually, but as a community of persons brought into a holy community with others who also share this new existence in the spirit. Paul emphasizes this point in his benediction at the end of 2 Corinthians. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit, the koinonia of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We are who we are because we are sharers in the Spirit. In simpler, in simpler terms, sharing the fellowship of the Spirit means that as believers we do not share something, but we share a life in a divine community, the community of the Holy Trinity and the saints of God. And this is also the community we welcome Henry James Erickson into today, for in baptism, that seal of the Holy Spirit will be placed on him. Therefore, being a member of the church on earth is not simply a matter of being a group of people who share a similar belief or lifestyle, but rather a group of people that have been transferred from one existence, from the existence in the kingdom of death to the existence in the kingdom of life, and now have the status of being in Christ and being shareholders in the life of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have been broken. But my exhortation to all of us, including myself today, is to pray as Paul does, that we could receive a new spirit of revelation so that our hearts could be enlightened to see beyond our brokenness and see ourselves as God does, those who are found in Christ, those who are marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit as a pledge of our inheritance. As sharers in the Holy Spirit, let us then embrace that hope to which he has called us, those riches and power that will allow us on that day the church is revealed to be among those who sing salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. But here's the truth. Our eternal God and his eternity does not exist in time. Thus, he sees us today in Christ and therefore sees us already among that throne of worshipers. Imagine this, dear people, especially today as we 
pray before our Eucharistic table and we sing the Sanctus, Holy, Holy, enter into this vision and see yourselves waving palm branches with an enormous crowd of Christians who are wearing robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb, standing before his throne. And there are so many people, no one can count them all, and they come from everywhere, from every race and tribe, from every nation and language, and we are singing, because that's what saints do. Just as we sing, sang in our entrance hymn, that wonderful hymn for all the saints, but lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day. The saints triumphant rise in bright array. The king of glory passes on his way. We are there today before the throne in the same way that in our Ephesians passage, Paul declares that already all things have been placed under Christ's feet and that he sits already at the right hand of God. As in our worship this morning, we too are there before the throne. In other words, we are the living saints who celebrate with the entire family of God today, past and present, those in the spirit, living and departed on this feast day of all saints. I want you to be encouraged by our passage from Revelation as those were to whom it was first addressed, the early persecuted church who were dying because they refused to deify the enthroned emperor, just as we refuse to deify or worship our inadequate political institutions who might try to tell us what to think and what to worship. Remember those saints gathered before the throne in Revelation are not depicted as the conquerors of evil on the earth, but rather those who overcame through suffering, those who suffered the world's hostility because of their beliefs, and importantly, endured their own weakness and sinfulness, and yet were invited to come to the throne, washed clean of all sin. Thus, by inviting you to envision ourselves as the triumphant around the throne of the Lamb, I am not promoting a triumphalism-ness in this age, there is no promise we will not be suffer or be persecuted in our earthly existence or be disappointed in the church. The early church understood this and that is why their earliest festivals, dating even back before Easter was put on a calendar, were celebrations of the anniversaries of the martyrs. The earliest record of such a celebration is a letter from the church at Smyrna a year after the martyrdom of Polycarp in 155. This letter describes their celebration on this anniversary. We afterwards took up his bones as being more precious than most exquisite jewels and more purified than gold and deposited them in a fitting place so that being gathered together with joy and rejoicing, the Lord shall grant us to celebrate the anniversary of his martyrdom both in memory of those who finished their course and for the exercising and preparation of those yet to walk in their steps. We remember the saints so that we can walk in their footsteps. The early church celebrated their dead martyrs so that they could hope that they too could persevere to death. 
These celebrations took place all over the Roman Empire and continued even after Christianity became a legal religion under Constantine. The first church calendar we have from 354 lists Christmas, but then lists over 40 anniversary dates of the deaths of individual saints and the locations of their burials throughout the city of Rome and also the empire, including Africa. The early church celebrated these festivals of the dead as we celebrate All Saints today because it understood the relationship between the visible church on earth and what is referred to as the invisible church in heaven. What John contemplates as the holy city coming down from heaven and the visible church on earth are not to be considered as two different realities. Rather, they form one complex reality, which coalesces into a divine and a human element, which we call the mystical body of Christ. A Vatican II document, Light to the Gentiles, explains that the church, while on earth, journeys in a foreign land away from the Lord like it is in exile, yet it seeks and experiences those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and where the life of the church is hidden with Christ in God. So what do we learn about the church from this statement? Well, first, that the church is invisible and spiritual, but it is also visible and material. Second, the visible church is in exile because we live in the space between Jesus' first and second coming, a space in which we are still always dealing with the effects of sin. Part of the history of the church is not pretty. Political and doctrinal divisions pale against Christians burning Christians at the stake, crusades, inquisitions, and in our own day, emotional, spiritual, and sexual abuse. But in spite of our failed histories, our unity still resides in the history of Jesus Christ, who suffered for all those sins and suffers with us when we encounter them ourselves. Because we worship a crucified Jesus, we are able to witness faithfully to grace in the midst of brokenness, including our own. So we must embrace that we are living in the already and not yet kingdom but the difference between our two New Testament passages today is the difference between Paul's view from the vantage point of his present reality, looking to a hoped for future while recognizing Jesus Christ at his throne, with the language of worship and praise that we find in Revelation. Because the language of worship sees the future as if it were already present. So Paul can speak of all manner of hoped for wonders as they were already existing. And this is the language of the Eucharist, which speaks of the connection between that which is visible and invisible, that which is material and immaterial. And we pray this prayer, grant us therefore gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear son Jesus Christ and drink his blood that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body and our souls washed through his most precious blood, that we more evermore dwell in him and he in us. This is why the early church celebrated those anniversaries at the tombs of the martyrs, 
where they not only shared the great stories of the acts of their saints, but they also shared a Eucharistic meal. Archaeologists have found open holes in these, in these tombs, which have tubes, signifying that the celebrant poured the leftover wine into the tomb to sim symbolize that the saint was also communing with them in the celebration. Very early on then, the church understood this deep Eucharistic communion we share with the saints who have gone before us, which strengthened them for the spiritual battles we continue to encounter and will always encounter. And my friends, they are spiritual battles, not just the battles of the flesh. So again, our hymn from this morning, we sing, oh blessed communion, fellowship divine, we feebly struggle, they in glory shine, yet all are one in thee, for all are in thine. On this day, we remember the departed saints, but we must also remember who we are, those saints who are called who have called on the name of Jesus Christ, the visible church on earth, those who in our Eucharist feast of the eternal wedding feast of the Lamb, worship the Lamb at the center of the throne, who is our shepherd and who will guide us to the springs of the water of life and at the last day will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Amen. <laughs>